Freedom Current. Freedom Current. Hey, this is Freedom Current. It's Freedom Current. This is our podcast. It's a podcast. It is a podcast. We talk to each other about freedom. Yeah. What kind of freedom? We talk to each other specifically about the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Oh, amen. So good. And this is technically Jesus' podcast, I hope. Yes. We always want it to be. We want it to be. Yeah. Um, Lord, may it be. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Like, we yes. can't say that everything we say... Well, that's why we use the Bible. perfect, but... That's why we use the Bible and we don't just sit here and riff. Like the Bible's our, Like our hour-long sound check that we just did. Yeah. But um, we use the Bible. Why do we use the Bible? Because this is the... The pillar and the ground of truth. This is the the guide um, for Christian thinking. This is how we think God's thoughts after Him. Yeah. Francis Schaeffer said He is there and He's not silent. That's a marvelous thing. He didn't just make it and then separate Himself from us. He actually spoke to us in His Word, and so that's why we use this word. Yep. So, well, do you remember what we rolled last time? I do. It, I don't remember the number. I remember it was John chapter 3. So what number was that? Number 17. It was number 17. Let me grab my marker. green marker here. And this is the one that oh, we yes! on today. You must be born again. Yes. Okay, so we did the, the washing of the hands last week. I never updated that one. There cool we beans. So we are on You Must Be Born Again in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. So let's turn to there. I'm using an English Standard Version, ESV. So am I. Okay. All right. We will be... We Many will good be. versions out there. Yes. Jesus gives you the freedom to choose <laughs> a good version of the Bible. And here we are on John chapter 3. In a version or a translation doesn't mean it's a different Bible. <coughs> there are people who mistranslate the Bible and they end up with different Bibles. Yeah. These are just ways of translating... Um, original languages, and so here we are in the English Standard Version, John chapter 3. Um, may I read today? I, like I would reading. love for you to I read. I would love to. Do you, are you reading down to verse 15? Um, how could I skip 16? Oh. Why, Why did I even suggest that? <laughs> it's okay. John 3.16. Oh, let's, let's stop right before it. <laughs> stop. Halfway through it. All right. No, I thought I would just read until the red ends. That's good. Is that okay? Yeah. Because I think that's a new story there in verse 22. <laughs> I love it. you want to know the fancy uh, word for story? Pericope. I did not know that. Yes. That sounds like that sounds like a an ingredient in a salad that I do not like. <laughs> I like it. Uh, and hold the pericope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it means just a chunk 
a chunk of a narrative um, in the Bible. Shoot. You know how you know how there might be two or three stories in any given chapter of the Gospels. Yep. You know, and so each one of those stories is called a pericope. Is that specifically used when referring to that type of thing that we see often in the Bible? The, the fact that I have never seen the word used outside of theology books, oh, yeah. Bible interpretation, exegesis books, commentaries. I mean, it probably works, but I'm sure it just fits so well in yeah. that concept that we've kind of adopted, and that. we just keep it, and we keep using it. Yeah, yeah, and I don't really, you know, necessarily. Um, Keep up with, you know, the the new scholarship in just regular Greek classics or something. Yeah. Weird words for six hundred, Alex. Pericope. What is pericope? You almost lost. I would have lost. I would have lost the money. Oh, and I had the question, and then you would have swept in and, <laughs> and stole got it. it for the daily double. Oh man! <laughs> All right, that's it. Let's go. John chapter three, verse one. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him. Oh, my goodness, I want to stop and talk right there. We'll just keep going. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, "Mm, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Mm. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light. Because their deeds were evil. 
For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. Whoa. I'm not qualified to comment on this chapter. <laughs> this is one of the most it's the best. deep and amazing and rich yes. chapters like in the whole Bible. Yeah. This is hardcore good. Yes, it is. It's a mountaintop. It's a peak. Wow. It really is. Wow. We. Okay. Nicodemus, this is above your pay grade. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Nicodemus, you know what you wandered into, buddy. Man. No wonder people marveled at Jesus. When he would teach. And they marveled at him when he was like 12. Mm-hmm. No doubt. He is just like a master teacher. Yes. There's, Nicodemus is like an old Pharisee teacher who's probably just full of wisdom mm-hmm. to the other teachers and to men. Mm-hmm. And Jesus just comes and pulls the rug right out from under him. Yeah, so let's visualize Nicodemus is probably, who knows? We don't know, but... He's called the teacher of Israel. He's called a Pharisee. He must be somebody who's got a some ruler of the Jews. I picture someone in his fifties or sixties. Yeah, because he even said, "How can a man be born when he is old?" And well, that's so, a good point. it's not necessarily that he couldn't have been in his thirties and said that, but you right. know, it makes more sense if he's got gray hair. Yeah, and Jesus is only thirty. Yeah, and I don't know exactly twenty nine, yeah, yeah. thirty, thirty one. I don't know. Yeah, but it's in that range. He's thirty years old. I know from experience that 60-year-olds don't tend to listen to 30-year-olds when I was 30. Yeah. I know that as I age and as 30 gets farther and farther behind me, I know my tendency isn't always to listen to 30-year-olds. Sure. And so that would have been hard to listen to Jesus. (laughs) You know? Would have been hard. And he is mind-blowing, isn't he? And he's speaking with authority. He does not say, you know, in my opinion, yeah, the way I see it. Think about it this way. Maybe it works this way. Yeah, he does He not. just kind of just says it. Truly, truly, <laughs> I say to you. Three times he said that. Three times I noticed. I mean, how can you say that about anything? I don't think I've ever thought about the truly, truly, I say to you's as much. Or I've never really thought about them. Yeah. I've said them because in the King James, it's verily, verily. And it's a marker for a Bible memory verse. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so, and it's just like this old-timey saying, and you're just like, oh, we don't say it that way anymore. But no, the fact that he says that in and of itself is remarkable. Yeah. Why would he say truly, truly? What's, what's because he, he is saying that what I'm saying to you is the truth. There is no deviation from this at all. Except for and he's, falsehood. And he's yeah. 30. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm 35. Yeah. The only things that I can say that about are things that I have read from the Bible. Mm-hmm. I can only say that this is true. Yeah. And even then, I'm questioning my interpretation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like... Yeah, yeah. Jesus is like, this is true, And Nicodemus. he says it all the time. And you know, Nicodemus is the one kind of backpedaling. The one asking like the questions going, hey, uh, but you know that doesn't make sense to me. He obviously doesn't think you can get back into your mother's womb. That's stupid. What he's, he's trying to be absurd <coughs> because he's got no way. There are no handles on what Jesus has just said. Nope. It, he's, he's like, he can't. So all he can do is come up with something that's absurd 
and say, what, you can't be born, go back into your mother's womb. What, what in the world, he, in other words, are you talking about? He's the teacher of Israel. And he can't wrap his mind around that what Jesus is saying to, is, is so basic. He's like, this is, this is, this is elementary. You're the teacher of Israel and you don't know this yet? I know. Man. I do love one quick point. Yeah, I ahead. love how we did read verse 16 and beyond because I never read John 3.16 in context. Right, right. Because you just remember, you have that verse memorized since you're like a little kid if you go to Sunday school and you're a kid. Right. And so you just know that verse yeah. and you just pluck it. And so hearing it in context, mm-hmm. oh, that is juicy. No doubt. Another thing that we just pluck is verse 3. We pluck this right out of context. You have to be born again. And that has become like this term. A thing. Like, a, I'm a born-again Christian. And we just use it. Not that it didn't always have meaning, but right. it's just this thing that we don't really... Born-again Christian used to mean one thing, and then it became just a label to mean, I'm serious about the church I go to. And it's not that. That's not what born-again Christian means. It has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with denomination of church. It has nothing to do with um, what kind of citizen you are, or parent, or child. Or even what country you live in. Yeah, for sure. Because we think of, um, you know, middle America. Southern America, yeah. right? For sure, it has nothing to do with whether <laughs> but, you live in the Bible. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. Nothing to do with that. Exactly. Yeah, this means, this, this phrase is critical to understanding the Bible. That's why it became a popular phrase, because it is a hugely important metaphor. Yeah. Unfortunately, the metaphor eventually lost its meaning and just became a label. Yep. What if we go back to um, the narr- narrative, like what, set up in the first two verses? Yeah, that's good. And let's talk about it. Pharisee. We've talked about Pharisees on this podcast before. Um, this is not an official title or office. Anybody could be a Pharisee if he was devoted to following the law. Yeah. He had, it was about devotion. Yeah. He, he was, probably had to be a Jew. Yeah. He was a, a, a born-again Jew. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In that Bible Belt sense, he was yep. serious about his religion. Okay, so that's Nicodemus, um, a ruler of the Jews. This means that he was uh, somebody who did hold an office. So he was not a ruler of the Jews because he was a Pharisee. But he was a Pharisee who was also a ruler. There we go. And um, perhaps you couldn't have become such a ruler if you weren't a Pharisee. I don't know. But was he on like the Sanhedrin or yeah, something that's like what, that? Yeah, that's what I think it means. Okay. That's what I think it means. And he does show up later. He is privy to... Um, what happens during Jesus's uh, trial before he's crucified. So Nicodemus is in on all of that. Okay. Um, Nicodemus is one of the guys that will eventually be helping um, the Joseph take Jesus's body off the cross. Oh, okay. So that's interesting. So yeah, Nick is going to stick around for a while. Um, he comes by night. He comes by night. Jesus probably isn't somebody that the Pharisees and especially the rulers of the Jews. Oh yeah, it's 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 like an it's like he's a person you're not allowed to talk to. Yeah, yeah. 
we were talking about this in our in our <laughs> yeah. our hour long uh, sound check, weren't yeah, we? Things like that. I, I like the phrase that you taught me uh, earlier today. Don't use it; it has other meanings. Don't say it. Yeah. Okay, well, I won't say it then. Okay. You know what I'm thinking then, mm-hmm. and I think that that's an that's an example of that. You know, in the way that we were using it, anyway. Um, and so, what 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 amazes me is. Uh, He's not probably allowed to talk to Jesus. Yeah. And if he is, there's a certain way that you're probably supposed to talk to Jesus in public. Yeah. And you're, and you're supposed to be looking down upon them, not necessarily going to him for guidance. You're or supposed to challenge advice. him. Yeah. You're supposed to put him in his place or get him on your team. Yeah. Right? Assimilate him. Jesus mm-hmm. refuses assimilation. Well, just think every... I mean, how many times do we see stories where... Um, the Bible gives us insight. A Pharisee is questioning Jesus, and they're trying to trap him. And the Bible says, and so-and-so asked Jesus in order to trap him, and then Jesus responds in a certain way. Like, they're mm-hmm. they're trying to get him to slip up so that— because obviously Jesus is, is amassing a following. Like, people are following him and looking to him and going into fields and up by the lake and sitting around and by the mountainside and listening to his, him teach— and he feeds 5,000 people and, you know, and the Pharisees, they want to be the teacher. Yeah. And you've got to hold yourself aloof from that, from any, any possibility that you are getting sucked into being influenced by him too. Uh, the Pharisees have kind of, you know, drawn a line in the sand and nobody on the team can cross that line. Yeah. I think John the Baptist... Ruined it for them. Yeah. <laughs> he got them. So, so, and that's in chapter one of John, by the way, uh-huh. and in other parts of Matthew and Luke. So here, um, he comes by night because what he wants to do is he wants to have a dispassionate, quiet conversation, mind <clears throat> to mind, and he's actually willing to learn do you notice that? Do you feel like that? Do you pick do. that up from Nicodemus that he feels teachable that night? Mm-hmm. I think so too. I do too. And especially, I mean, the the whole fact that he came at night, uh-huh. he would have come during the daytime if he was trying to put Jesus in his place. Yeah. yeah. Um, he came at night because the Pharisees are going to want to put him in his place. That's a great point. There would have been two different tones of voice for can a man go back into his mother's womb? In the daytime, you would have said it with a sneer. Yeah. But tonight, I don't think he's saying it like that. Yeah. He's just a little baffled and didn't he's, know what to say, wants to say something. Yeah, exactly. Wants to hear more. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, ex- elaborate. That's really what he's saying. Elaborate. That's yeah. exactly what he's saying. All right. So I like how he opens it. No one can do these signs. And, oh, let me back up. We know that you have come from God. For no one can do these signs unless God is with him. Did he just let us in on a discussion? That Pharisees had amongst themselves? Or or a discussion that they won't allow themselves to have among themselves? Or just, you know, think about this. So, like, if you're Pharisees and you're just having lunch in mm-hmm. a back room somewhere and you're just mm-hmm. doing your thing... Um, 
you know, and most of you are are, are seeking truth. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It isn't necessarily that you are resisting it. You know, you're just totally stuck. So you're going yeah, through, yeah, like, yeah. what these things mean. Uh-huh. And so some of you just posit that these signs and wonders are good things. These are good and, things. And why, and why would why would the devil, you know, want good things for for our people? People are being healed. People are getting hope. People are... Yeah, this seems like it's a God thing. This matches up with what we've read in the Old Testament. You know, the same kinds of beneficent signs. When he says signs, by the way, he means miracles. Yeah. But he's teaching things that we're not teaching, and so we can't, like, just come out and say that. Yeah, so what do we do do here? They're in a tough spot. They really are. You kind of feel for them in a little bit of a way. Yeah, so he is deducting backwards from the miracles to the teaching, and and in between is you, you must come from God. But they're... Have they ever admitted that out loud during the day? No, they don't dare to. But Nicodemus just let us in on something, that this is what they're talking about. This is what they're at least thinking. We're all thinking it. Mm-hmm. We're afraid to admit it, though. But Nicodemus, he comes at night and he says it. So Jesus says his first truly, truly, which seems apropos of nothing at first when you read it. He doesn't even answer his question or make any comment. We know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs unless uh, God is with him. And Jesus just says you have to be born again or you can't see the kingdom of God. I think Jesus is answering the question underneath Nicodemus' statement. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> elaborate well, on I'm your just, reaction right no, there. No, I'm just like Jesus is playing like multidimensional chess here. Yes, he is, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And like just to see the question under the question and maybe underneath another question, mm-hmm. like he sees Nicodemus's heart. Yes. And he's he hears almost, the tone of voice. almost like, and, and Nicodemus isn't really asking a question. He just made a statement. Yeah. But Jesus reads right to the very center of Nicodemus's heart and wants to answer the question he wants to ask, yeah. but probably isn't humble enough to ask. Could be. Could be. How do I see it? Yeah, how do I see the kingdom of God? How do how am I? How is a person like me to be saved? You know, because mm-hmm. you know that's kind of we're all worried about. Like, oh, yeah. do we exist after our life? Do I have do it I, right? Yeah, do I have it right? Hey, Jesus, am, am I on the right track with the things I've been teaching? Because surely Jesus has heard Nicodemus teach before. In fact, Jesus could have met a young Nicodemus back when he was twelve. We don't know. Now that's a little speculative, but of course, the point is that. Um, they're not necessarily unfamiliar with each other. Am I on the right track? Have I been? So Jesus is answering the question, really, for sure, I think, this is why, Nicodemus, you can't say that you know this during the daytime. During the daytime, you wouldn't say, we know you're a teacher come from God. But you guys know it. How come you can't say it? How come you can't admit to it? Hmm. You have to be born again. You have to be born again to see this kingdom that I'm talking about. And so that, um, hmm. that is, well, well, we've already said in verse 4, is a thing Nicodemus can't even put handles on. Can't wrap his mind around it. I love what you said in verse 4. Elaborate. 
That's that's basically what that verse means. Elaborate. Hmm. Truly, truly, I say, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, verse 5, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Um, so Jesus was talking about seeing the kingdom. Now he's talking about entering the kingdom. These are, in my view, one and the same thing. Yeah. I think a lot of times people make too much of just variations in the language. I think this is one and the same thing. And Jesus is saying being born of water and of the Spirit is like being born again. They're, they are also the same <clears throat> metaphors referring to the same idea. Okay, so if you heard you have to be born again, how could you even... I don't even know if it's possible for, for my brain to divorce or to unload all of the connotations of that phrase, born again. Imagine hearing that phrase for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you think? I mean, I, I, while you've been talking, I've been reading the next couple lines. And Jesus kind of explains, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. And I do like... Um, and so in that context, if I get that answer, I can kind of understand. Because, hey, I don't really understand spirit. And it's kind of sad... Especially, even though even those of us who have been believers and do believe in Jesus and believe that we have a spirit um, and God is spirit, etc., we don't think of ourselves as spirit. We think of ourselves as flesh. Right, 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 right. And we think of ourselves as having a brain that has, you know, a circuitry in it that makes connections, that comes up with ideas, that does things. Like we're just a we're just a, a goopy machine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I think if we could start to think of ourselves as spirit, maybe even more than we think of ourselves as flesh, um, mm. we might be able to appreciate some of Jesus's teachings a little better. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. I like that. That is an interesting thought because um, clearly, clearly, this is the part that needs to be reborn. Mm-hmm. Nicodemus is talking in in verse. Four, about physical things, like you were saying, he's just thinking about the machine. And Jesus is going beyond that. This is the kind of birth. Your spirit needs a birth. Now think about that. And he's a rebirth. And it because because you're born again. Yeah. And your spirit exists and it's been born. Yeah. Um but I can fathom a rebirth of spirit, even though I can't think about how it happens, I don't know, um, but because I don't actually have a grounding in what a spirit a spirit's birth looks like in the first place. Right. <laughs> so right. so I'm not I'm not limited by yeah. the size constraints of my body versus my mother's body and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can imagine, just like then Jesus goes on, and I won't skip ahead because I want to read and dwell on the wind part but just like we don't really understand even now where the wind is coming from where the wind goes now obviously we can look at a little radar and we can kind of see that the wind's going this way but in general I don't know the wind's going to wrap around my house and blow over my trash can (laughs) Um, it's just it's invisible and it just does what it wants to do right Um, 
And so that's kind of how I see spirit too. Like, you know, you, you get an idea that it's there, but you really don't know how it works. You really don't. That's a great point. You really don't know how, how it works. You hear the word rebirth or reborn, and I think we often will put the word as with that. He came back reborn as, you know, we might say hmm. something different about him. We'll talk about some sort of change. Mm-hmm. And this is what Jesus is referring to is like, you need to start all over. Your spirit needs to have a new start. And so he says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, and I believe he's referring to the Holy Spirit. Here. Yeah. And by the way, water and the spirit is together. That's not two separate things. You have to have a water rebirth and a spirit rebirth. Again, we have to be very careful not to read the Bible like it is technical lingo all of the time. There's a formulaic approach to reading the Bible that just thinks of the whole thing as like um, a manual or a contract where every word has technical separate meaning. That's not how we speak. We don't speak like that. Mm -mm. So he says water and the spirit. And when he talks about water and the spirit, every time he talks about the Holy Spirit or when we read about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, I shouldn't say every time. Many, many times in the New Testament, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we also talk about um, an idea of washing. And so that's what he's talking about. There's got to be this, this cleansing effect that can only be done by the Holy Spirit. This is the rebirth. Your spirit needs to take a bath. Hmm. And this bath can only be administered by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. That's, a, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. He's building into that uh, the idea of the pollution that we have. This is why you can't see or enter the kingdom of God. Because of not just an inability, but an inability brought about by the pollution of our broken hearts. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So what do you make of that verse? Verse six, flesh is flesh. This is what? The default? What's normal or natural? But then there's something that not everyone has being born of the spirit. This is what is required in order to see or enter the kingdom of God. Yep. Flesh isn't the thing entering the kingdom of God. Right. Is what I'm, I mean, and yeah. I said earlier that your spirit was born, but actually reading in this, the rebirth is the fact that your spirit is being born of spirit. Mm-hmm. And that seems like... Well, I like what you said. It's still a rebirth. Yeah, maybe. What you had at the beginning has to change. Yeah. It has to change. And it's not Nicodemus. It's not anything physical. You're not going to get into your mother's womb and be born again. Now, obviously, that was an absurdity. But there are ways that we would approach a, approach a spiritual reality with pure physical effort. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? How would how would we do that? A spiritual reality with physical effort. Like scourging ourselves. <laughs> That's what, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of just like 
horrible things that I've know you know people say they've done and you know. Mm-hmm. I think of going places. Yeah, you're gonna like try a, to go somewhere. Like a pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or some high mountain or something like that. Oh, you're yeah, gonna try true. to be real. Oh yeah, be one with nature. Yeah. Go out and get. A, I mean, not saying it's not great to disconnect from technology, but at the same time, like, um, yeah, it's 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 a physical thing. It's not it's purely still physical. Spiritual. This is this is, and so when he talks about the spirit. There's something outside or alien to us, outside of us or alien to us that needs to affect my spirit. It's not that I can go. Do you notice he puts the emphasis in verse 4 on what I can do? Can I be born? Can I enter a second time into my mother's womb? That's what he's saying. What can I do? And then Jesus doesn't say... Well, this is what you'll have to do. He says, no, this is what the Spirit will do. Hmm. So Nicodemus is using active voice and Jesus is using, well, he's, he's, he would, in, in, in effect, use passive voice for us. This has to happen to us. We can't do it. So if I go on a pilgrimage, if I go to church, if I go get baptized, if I take the Lord's Supper... Um, if I scourge myself, if I vote or get politically active, if I um, donate money, time, experience, if I build libraries all across America, what do I got to do to get this thing I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. What would Jesus say? Who can do it? Yeah. Only the spirit. Only the spirit can do it. Yeah, I mean, if you can't, if you have Bill Gates' money and you set up a foundation and you feed the hungry throughout the world, and you do more good than any other human has ever done, and you still can't get it, mm-hmm. then who can do it? Then who can do it? Andrew Carnegie built all these libraries all over all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. with with his untold riches, right? Mm-hmm. That that wasn't meritorious in God's eyes that that didn't rebirth his spirit you can't do it I can't do it and isn't that so often what we're what we're looking for begging for is how can I get that validation that I need so that my conscience can rest (laughs) you can't do it you have to be born again so he says, verse 7, don't, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. That is so important to understand. That is such a deep theological truth, a doctrine in the Bible, and we overlook it. We completely miss it. We do. I read it almost like I read it for the first time, or I listened to you read it, yeah. and I was, I was like, huh, I haven't really focused on this verse before. Yeah, this is critical. It is, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, I wonder if even the one who is born of the Spirit knows where he comes or goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where he's almost guided, uh, you know, and and encouraged to do things by the will of the Spirit. And then you, you um, submit to that will. Yeah. 
Yeah. But you didn't know an hour ago. Well, let's take even, especially, let's, let's stay on that train of thought. The moment you became a Christian, I believe there has to be a moment. One day you weren't, one hour you weren't, one minute you weren't. And then one day, one hour, one minute you were a Christian. There's got to be some conversion there where you, where you flip over, flip the switch or whatever. But do you know when that was? You may not. Mm -mm. Because you didn't do it. Right? Yeah. If I had to climb to the top of a mountain and yell a mantra out into the blue sky with my arms spread wide open in order to rebirth my spirit, I would know when I had done it. I would have this sense of expectation as I'm climbing the mountain, right? Mm -hmm. This sense of expectation as I'm going over the mantra in my mind of when I set foot on the very last step and raise up to my full height and stretch out my arms and pronounce the syllables. And it wouldn't be until I said the very last syllable that I would expect something to feel different. Right? Yep. But I would expect it. Because I did it. Mm -hmm. But we can't know. We don't know when that is. The, the spirit is like the wind. So, so I, was, I became a Christian when I was, I don't know, around four years old. That's what I believe. That's what I remember. That's when I, okay, prayed the prayer. Mm-hmm. When did I really believe? I know. When did I really believe? <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? How old were you? Um, the first time, second time, third time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? I've got that story. <laughs> this is like... Four, 18, yeah. 22. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like... Because exactly. we don't know when the Spirit comes. Yeah. And I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe. And I believed as a child. Mm -hmm. I don't remember not believing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and so that's actually one of the the struggles of the life of a Christian who learns as a young child is actually like unless you start to understand these verses, you worry. You, did I say it? Yeah, this was my word. Did I? Yeah, did I say it right? Did I? Mm -hmm. Did I really like? What is belief anyway? Did I really even know? Yeah, <laughs> I was twelve. I heard some really scary preaching. This might help some of our viewers if we kind of talk about mm -hmm. when we became Christians and and the. Um, the wrestling yep. afterwards for assurance, right? So let's talk about it. I was like 12. I heard some scary preaching about hell. Didn't want to go there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, thought I was four when I prayed to be a Christian. What does a four-year-old know? What could a four-year-old have done wrong? At that point now that we've had four-year-olds both of us we know that they can do plenty wrong oh yeah <laughs> just don't remember it you know when you're <laughs> when it's when it's you doing it what could I have done wrong what could I have you know when I was 12 I've been really bad since then yeah sure now exactly. that I'm 40 some yeah I'd be like what can you really do wrong <laughs> when you're 12 I know right okay so so um I walked down the aisle and I prayed the prayer again. Now, the walking down the aisle is like climbing up the mountain. Yep. And the pronouncing the prayer with the help of 
the deacon or the pastor who's down there is like speaking the mantra into this guy. The last syllable I say, and then it'll be should done. I feel different? Well, that's not up to you. So then I was 18, 19, something like that. I heard scary preaching again. And I thought, what could I have known when I was 12? Name one 18-year-old that respects any 12-year-old. I certainly didn't respect my former 12-year-old self. Nope. So I said, um, I couldn't have known. So this time when I prayed the prayer, I used all kinds of good, theologically rich vocabulary, right? Uh Okay, and I just poured it all in there. I've perfected my mantra. Yes, no doubt. God will listen to me this time. No doubt, man. (laughs) I threw in justification. Ignoring the parts of the Bible where Jesus is like, it's it's people like these young children who are into the kingdom of God. (laughs) Okay, so I'm putting all this in there because, I mean, I want to make sure, right? I want to make sure. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And I want to be with Jesus. And he's my hero and my captain, and I think he's awesome, and I want to be with him. Yeah. So I want to say what's right. I want to make sure that this is taken care of. I get to, I'm like 21. What 21-year-old respects any 18-year-old? Yeah. You don't, no. right? So I didn't respect my former 18-year-old self. I'm <laughs> working it over in my mind. I'm 21 years old, and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I was stupid when I was 18, and I was stupid when I was 12. I had it right when I was four. I know. And that's my story. I was like, I had it right when I was four. And that's when I could finally, finally lay it all down. And just say, I don't have to worry about this. Jesus has always been my, my hope. And really, to, to think that it might be in our control is actually much more terrifying than just letting Jesus and the Spirit be Yeah, because what if it were? <laughs> Elaborate on that. Yeah, it's just like, first of all, they, like we, we talked about in our earlier conversations, they love us more than we love ourselves. Yeah. Jesus and the Holy Spirit love us mm. so much that they knew us before the world was ever created. Mm-hmm. And they thought about us and they made a plan for us. And they're in control. They're in control of everything. Yeah. Why would I want to leave it in control of saying the mantra right? Yes. Because no I might no. mess up one syllable or pause wrong. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because everybody knows, if you, if you watch Harry Potter, if you don't say the spell right and you say... <laughs> it's going to backfire. <laughs> it's going right? to backfire. Get you. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. So here's the beautiful thing about salvation. It is between two hearts. Mm-hmm. And this is really important. It is not legal lingo you have to say to exempt yourself from a hellish eternity. It is between two hearts. One heart, the divine heart, full of love. Looking at this human heart that it is rebirthing, because God's rebirthing us. We're not doing that. And so when we respond with a heart of love, of humility, of repentance. It's heart to heart, of belief. It's heart to heart. There's a relationship that forms. It's it's like when Michael Scott decides he's going to declare bankruptcy on the office, (laughs) right? I declare bankruptcy. And the accountant's got to come over and say, you know that didn't work, right? (laughs) 
but that's how we think we can get away with doing spiritual well, and things. The, the the idea of a relationship, especially in this context, is pretty cool because does a baby have a relationship with a mother in the birthing process? That's like the strongest relationship ever. A, a strong relationship with no um, strings attached. Doing it. Yeah, and the baby didn't do anything to be right. born. The baby doesn't do it. But the relationship is valid. Yeah. That baby is crying if mommy's not holding yeah. him or her. Yeah. Not the mama, right? And the baby's fully dependent even after it's born on yeah. the mother. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, oh, yeah. And so thanks for bringing it back to the, 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 the key metaphor. That's what's so critical about this is the spirit is going to birth your spirit. Um. You're going to be remade, made new. It's not you doing it. You aren't the active agent here. The Holy Spirit is. And then, then, being that new creation, this is what we call regeneration. This is why we say regeneration must come before belief. Jesus is saying here, this is critical, um, this is critical doctrinal um, debate. Jesus is saying that you must be born or you cannot see and you cannot enter. The seeing and the entering is the belief and you cannot do it without the regeneration, the rebirth that the Holy Spirit provides. That's the debate between Calvinists and Arminians, um, the whole idea of monergism versus synergism, all of that. But it's, it's right here in John 3.3. 3. You have to be born again. And how does that happen? John 3 8, the Spirit does it. He regenerates you. I'd like to take a pause, if I can, and point out that this is just one of a great many metaphors for regeneration in the Bible. So, this is why Jesus says, Really, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't get this? Because this is not new information. Um, you have to be born again is like when it says in Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, you have to have a circumcised heart. He's like, I don't care about your circumcised sexual Body. member. What I care about is your circumcised heart. What's the difference? I mean, so now we're talking about genitalia. And so, you know, we might feel our listeners may feel awkward or whatever. God's not awkward. He doesn't feel awkward about talking about this. One is done by a human, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it's done by human agency and it's on the outside of you and it's physical. But one is inside and it's your heart. How does one circumcise one's heart? Well, circumcision even, and this time, typically, obviously, circumcision didn't, did happen with converts that were adults. But somebody else did it to you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. People didn't circumcise themselves. Right. So that's another, like, mother-birthing yeah. metaphor. Somebody else did this. The, the agency yeah. kind of thing. Exactly. Very good. And there's another one in Ezekiel um, where God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. You had a heart of stone, and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Now, hear the word flesh. Yeah, we think flesh. And I was like, wait, wait spirit. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. But and he's actually meaning spirit there, right? Exactly. He's like, your flesh heart is actually a dead rock. 
It is a dead rock inside of your body. Yep. And you need a pumping, beating, vital heart. You can only get that from God. You can't make that happen. Only God can do that. And I love how Jesus, okay, so Jesus is reading the Old Testament. He's reading that verse in Jeremiah about circumcised heart. He's reading about the heart of stone, the heart of flesh. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I don't know, he probably didn't read about that one. Was that? No, that's Ezekiel. Oh, Ezekiel. Oh, yeah, he read about that one. That's in there, yeah. I thought that was the New Testament. Okay, so he read Ezekiel. Jesus is reading and studying all these things, and he he knows all about this concept and then he makes up a brand new metaphor. And he did. <laughs> right, he did. And it's, his metaphor probably isn't metaphorical. It's actually probably closer to the truth. Yeah. Um, but, but he just makes but up one. He's just, but he understands it so well that yeah. he teaches it in a new way. Yeah. Oh, that, I never thought of that. That's really that. funny. I love that. Yeah. So great. That's so... That, yeah, like you said, just the authority of Jesus Christ the, and the mastery. Yeah. Of God's revelation. Because yeah, we can all regurgitate. Yeah, that's all I ever do. Yeah, me too. But, that's all I'm doing on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But but what Jesus is doing is mastering it and presenting and it wielding. to Nicodemus. And wielding it. I love it. <laughs> and, and Nick is hearing it for the first time, and yet he should already know. Yeah. Jesus is like, you should already He's be been studying it more years, maybe, than Jesus has even been physically oh, alive. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Other New Testament examples of this are like you were blind and now you can see. Um, You um, were dead and you've been made alive. Um, You die with him. You're resurrected with him already. Um, You are a new creation. All of that. It's it's all the same. It all goes in the same. Even God can make children of Israel out of these rocks. Exactly. Same thing. Yeah. Exact same same thing. It's the idea of regeneration. It precedes belief. It is done by the Holy Spirit, not by you. And Nick, you should know this, Jesus is saying. Verse 11, I say to you, we speak of what we know. By we, he means himself. What we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. And so he says, if I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? So Remember, way back in verse 2, he's like, we know you come from God. I want to know more about God. This is what Jesus says is the question under the question under the question, like you said. What you want to say is, I want to know God. I'm trying to tell you about stuff you've been reading in your Bible all these years, and you don't believe that. So how am I going to tell you about what God is like? (laughs) You wouldn't believe it. And so he goes on to say, so Jesus is really, so Nicodemus is like, I want to know God. And Jesus is like, let's first talk about how to get to God. Because you're not even there yet. And so then he starts talking about, let me give you another example. Verse 13. Yep. Um, No one um, has gone up into heaven except the person who came down from it in the first place. That's the son of man. That's an allusion to Daniel chapter 7. That's also an allusion to himself. Jesus is talking about himself. And he goes, it's just like, you know, way back in Numbers when Moses lifted up that, Sir, that, that bronze, bronze serpent. serpent. Yes. And it, 
tell the bronze serpent story for our for our podcast listeners. Oh man, so I'm gonna tell it, but it's not fresh on my mind. Okay, so there were there were there were snakes in the wilderness that were poisonous. Yeah, and if people got bit, they were gonna die. Right, because they were really bad news. Right, and so Moses, because it was becoming such a plague, Mm -hmm. um, you know, talked to God, and God told him to fashion this bronze serpent and to stick it up on a tall stick and to hold it up. And if any of the people got bit by the snakes, they could, in faith, look at that bronze snake and they would be healed and protected and uh, cured of this snake bite. Can you imagine if someone said to you, let's get back, let's kind of like jump into that story. Did I make any mistakes? No, that's perfect. Because that is a long time ago. Let's (laughs) jump into that story for a minute. Can you imagine... You're, you're writhing on the ground. You just got. You've been trying to avoid these snakes for like weeks, or I don't know how long the snake. Sure. Been. Okay. And and you, you get snake bit, and you're like, oh no, right? Yeah. And someone's like, just look up there at Moses. What would you think? It's like that's absurd. That's stupid. Yeah. Why would? You know. What is that gonna do? But what if someone else is like, just look up there at Moses, and they're like, okay, right? What is that? What's the difference? That spirit of, okay. It's, it's, it's naive faith. And yeah. when I say naive, uh-huh. it's just... Uh, you're, it's, not, you're not being derogatory. No, I'm not being derogatory. It's, it's I'm not going to trust in science, which, which I understand. Even they didn't understand science like we do. But nowadays, we understand that there is a poisonous venom mm-hmm. coursing through my bloodstream. It's mm-hmm. going to reach my heart, and it's going to react by making my heart stop. And they knew how to extract that venom from snake fangs and put it into somebody's herbal tea and kill them. Yeah, so there's exactly. science there. They're, they they were science. aware of that. So it was, and being naive to their understanding of earthly things, going ahead and in faith looking at the snake because they don't have any other hope. They're 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 dead. Mm-hmm. If they they have no other choice, mm-hmm. and so they're putting their trust in God, saying, "Okay, I'll believe. I'll look. I'll look. Yeah. Okay, okay. Rather I'll than look. resist. Yes." Yes. And this is the very thing that you need in order to, um, that that's what, that's, that's that belief that, that you need, that you need being born again in order to have. And Jesus is saying, okay, I've got to be lifted up. I'm that bronze serpent. I'm the one that's going to be put up in front of everybody to look at. And it's not scientific and it's not going to make any sense. To just say, I trust in that, but that is the only way you're going to get by. So, And then he goes on to essentially say the most powerful verse in the history of the world. So break it down for us, verse 16. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so he's lifted up, just like the bronze serpent. Uh-huh. Whoever believes in him who has been lifted up uh-huh. and looks at him in faith, knowing that it's... It's mysterious and it's not scientific, may have eternal life. The reason is God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shouldn't die from their mortal wound. They're already condemned. The snake bite of their sin. Yep. Right? Yeah. But instead have eternal life. Yeah. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
Now, verse 17 elaborates on, in verse 16, so loved. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Jesus didn't come. He didn't come to kill. No. He came to, to save. Yeah. Save the ones who are already dying. Already. And that is the word used in 18. Yeah. Verse 18 says, if whoever believes in him is not condemned, whoever does not believe is condemned Already. already. It's not, he, yeah, he's not re-condemning. No, you're already, you're, okay, the, snake the bit. already in your veins. You're already snake bit. You already have that rock heart. You're already not born again. You're already all of that. But what you need, what you need is to look at the lifted up son of man on, on the cross is what he's referencing. Yeah. Right? Dying for our sins. And that's. That That's, lifts your condemnation. Yeah, lifts your condemnation. Exactly. And it's a, it should be a sign to you of the deep love of God. He didn't send me down here to kill all of you. That's what he says. He sent me down here to save you. Look at how much love God is. Nicodemus had started the whole thing with, um, we know you come from God. The question under the question under the question is, do you really want to know God? Guess what? God loves you. God loves you or I wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Isn't that so good? Yep. God loves you and has provided a way for you to be born again. Has provided a way or the spirit wouldn't be here. Has provided a way for you to be released from the venom of your sin. Or I wouldn't be lifted up. And did, did Nicodemus, I mean I don't think this says, but just your thought... Did Nicodemus know when Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Did Moses, or not Moses, Nicodemus know that Jesus was talking about himself? I think so, because Jesus is going to get in trouble for using this Son of Man language. Okay, and mm. so maybe Nicodemus is just now cluing into the fact that Jesus is talking Man. about himself, or maybe one day Nicodemus puts it all together, well, or maybe he already has. Well, and just like when you just said, I didn't realize that Nicodemus was there helping to get the body of Jesus off the cross. Um, Man, I can just imagine him being at that scene and then remembering oh, those words. Yeah, you're right. And saying, and looking up. I mean, like, okay. And I sure hope Nicodemus at that point flashes back to this night and goes... Okay, about his snake bite. Yep. Okay, I believe. <laughs> that is a gift. If, if, he, if he believed, man, that yes. is some gift. And yes. he must know oh, that it man. is. So wow. good. So good. So the question under the question under the question was, how can I know God or what can I know about God? Or we know that you come from God. Tell us more about God. And Jesus gets to the very end of it and he says, God loves isn't that so good? I think that that is sometimes um, not emphasized. I think we get so wrapped up in how do I say the right prayer to make sure that I get saved that we don't recognize that it was God's plan to save. He wants to save. It's, it's not going to be about um, how, what kind of um, per perfect score did you get <coughs> on your sinner's prayer. It's going to be about God guiding you. This is the rebirth of the Spirit. God guiding you in his love to find him. That's how loving God is. Mm -hmm. 
we, we, we are really afraid of regeneration preceding belief because we are afraid that that takes away from the love of God. That somehow that makes God arbitrary, capricious, and unloving. It doesn't at all. This is God being so loving that he is going to guide you to see what you would never see on your own. To guide you to look at the lifted up Son of Man. And one other thing I want to point out. Jesus changes the topic at verse 14. Mm -hmm. Because he was talking about what you can't do. What the Spirit will do. And then he goes to what you're supposed to do. Look and believe. Did you notice that? Mm -hmm. And that's why people, I think, mess up the doctrines. They confuse them or conflate them. <clears throat> Basically, Jesus says, stop worrying about what the Spirit will do and whether he will do it for you or not. Because you don't know what the Spirit's going to do because he's going to do just like the wind. Yeah, you don't know that. You don't know where he's coming, where he's going. But there's a lifted up son of man and you need to look. Will you look? So let's get it to you. Will you look? That's what he says. Mm -hmm. If you will look, then you're not condemned. If you won't look, you're already condemned. That's a sign of your deadness, your rock heart. I just think of like all the signs that like people that say they're preaching on the road or whatever hold up that says God hates fill in the blank yes I hate that stuff and I'm just like no God loves you God loves God loves that's why Jesus came into the world yes. not to condemn anyone yes and I don't even want to repeat those signs they're so anti-God they're, they're literally anti-God whenever God you see a sign that says you. God hates and then fill in any blank you cross it right out unless yeah. it's the devil you cross it right out and you say, no, God loves. God loves whoever is on that sign. Yep. God loves him so much. That he sent his son. Now, those people on that sign, just like you and me and like all people, we need to look at the cross. We need to look at the lifted up son of man for our, for our <coughs> snake bit Because we're heart. all condemned. We're all condemned. To, we're yes. all condemned already. Nobody's more condemned... Well, let's say you've done something to get yourself on one of those signs. Or you are something, or you you practice something to get yourself on one of those signs. Okay. The doing or the practicing of that is not the thing that condemned. Mm -mm. We were condemned already because we have rock hearts and we must be born again. Yep. And God loves. That's why he sent his son. You want to know more about God? <coughs> look up at the lifted up son of man and know God. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about whether the spirit will. And that's a, that's a word to people that have gotten a little bit of theology and they start to believe doctrines of like election or predestination or regeneration preceding um, belief or all of these sorts of things. And they start to worry, well, did that happen to me? Will God do that for me? <clears throat> And they start to worry about that. You have nothing to worry about. And this is what Jesus is saying here. You have nothing to worry about because God so loved. Then take away the worry. That's not what you need to worry about. You look up at the lifted up cross. And if you do that, that is a sign to you. Remember Nicodemus said, hey, I see you've been doing all these signs. If you can look up at that cross... And believe that is a sign to you that God has loved you. Yep. 
God has guided you and rebirthed your spirit. All right. Amen. So I think we should go on to verse 19. This, <coughs> this is the problem, though. The light, this is Jesus, has come into the world and people, what? Love the darkness. They love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. I had forgotten about this verse, but every time we were talking about Moses lifting up the serpent, I, and we talked about, well, we, I had the thought that it was made of bronze, mm-hmm. and I just thought of how beautiful it probably looked because it was reflecting the light, and light just kept just shining off of it. Probably was. They kept it in their national archives for centuries. Wow. No way. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. really neat. Do you want to know the rest of that story? Yeah. Hezekiah had to shatter it. Because people were worshiping that. Like it's like okay, I gotta get spiritually reborn. Because I gotta go to this, so I gotta go to this relic. I gotta go to the museum. Has it kind of shattered it? That's 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 some bold. And he called it. This is a piece of brass. I love it. That's what he called it. In your Old Testament, will say (coughs) he called it Nehushtan, which is just the Hebrew word for this is a piece of brass. Hmm. When I'm administering the Lord's Supper, have you ever noticed I'll say this is just bread. This is just Welch's grape juice. I bought it at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. This is not anything else than that. We don't worship the communion elements. We don't worship the mountaintop we climb or the sinner's prayer mantra that we pray. We're doing it to remember and lift our eyes up to yeah. the yeah. Son of God. Because it's heart to heart. Yeah. We have to remember that. This is heart to heart. And so, yeah. The, the bronze serpent, it made it into the National Archives for centuries, and then later a king had to destroy it because it had become one of their idols. Isn't that a shame? Oh, yeah. It's, That's the human heart. But it would be. It would be. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would idolize it probably. I'm probably tempted to do that. Man, because it's They'd such a They'd already lost ballot. the Ark of the Covenant. Wow. And, and so what else you got? Well, we got yeah. the bronze serpent. <laughs> well, no, you don't get that anymore either. <laughs> And now people carry around pieces of the true cross or who knows what they do. You know what I mean? We do these things that it's like, this is not, this is not anything. This is not a thing. All right. It just is what it is. It's a piece of wood. And, it, and, and the thing is, is you need to be born of the spirit. But also born of water, the cleansing nature of the spirit, right? Because yep. we love our deeds and they're evil. Whether you've done anything to get yourself on the sign, or you are holding the sign, or you are someone who hates people who make those signs, I'm guilty. Or hate the sign. I mean, in my past, I'm guilty of holding the sign and being on the sign. Yeah, for <laughs> I've real. done things that would put yeah. me in both places. Yeah, me too. And it's just, and and the I am really happy that God loved me. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and we have to admit that you know what, if if God didn't rebirth my spirit, I would not love the light. I would not love it because I already know how much I battle with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love the darkness. I would love the darkness. All right, so everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Jesus is going to shine a light. Now, here's the thing. When we say God is love, it's not simply God is love and he takes you as you are and he's okay with you staying that way. Yeah. It's also not saying he's not okay with you staying that way so you fix yourself. What's happening, what's what's true is he takes us as we are because he knows we are sinners and he will remake us after the image of his son Jesus. 
He will change us. Jesus will shine a light on our deeds, on our conscience, on our past. Hmm. He'll shine a light. So if you've done something that is wrong, whether you're holding the sign, on the sign, whatever, this is a thing that is sin. Jesus died for it. It's not a thing where we say, well, God is love and he doesn't care about sin because he's love. Yep. He does care about sin, but he doesn't condemn because he's love. He offers his son as our sacrifice. We look to the cross, expose our sins to the light of the cross. We say, I'm a sinner. Save me. And our guilty conscience will want to keep us in the dark. Yeah, well. You know, a lot, you know, have have the guts to expose ourselves to the light and be clean and washed. Mm-hmm. And to continue to expose ourselves to the light. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because when you expose yourself to the light, you expose yourself to the one who loves. Yeah. To the one who loves you. It's kind of like it's kind of like getting married and getting naked. Right? Yeah. Like you can expose yourself to the one who loves you. Because they true. love you, right? <laughs> I know, again, it's a little bit, it's a little bit sexually charged I here. still have a 13-year-old mind. And he's like, oh, <laughs> I know. Even though I've been married for seven, it's almost 16 years. <laughs> oh, naked, he said. <laughs> but it's, it's like that. It's like we, we should not be afraid of exposing ourselves to God. But we are. We're yeah. like, I, I can't ever admit it. I can't admit it to myself. I can't admit it to society. This is how Nicodemus came at night because he couldn't admit it. He couldn't be out there where people would say, what, you're struggling, you're wondering, you're thinking maybe Jesus has the answer. And there are a lot of people out there that are just going to be really mad at either the people who they wrote signs about or really mad about the people who are holding the signs. And they're going to think that that anger will soothe their conscience and make them feel good about themselves. Well, I, I remember like when Jesus told the people... Whoever is without sin cast the first stone. I can imagine every single person with a stone in their hand was about to throw the stone so that their sins won't be made known. Yeah. So their sins won't come to the light. This is, oh, I'm throwing a stone because I hate sin. Yeah. Um, but in their hearts, they're just like, yeah, but I never want anybody to know about my sin. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So true. So true. And if we come to the light, we are coming to one who loves. I think it's really critical to understand all the way through this. Nicodemus has been saying, I want to know God. And Jesus is is talking about, what is he talking about? Sin, condemnation, spirit, love. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 It's a marvel. He says, whoever, let's close it in verse 21. Whoever does what is true comes to the light. So that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. Now that is the phrase that I read today that I did not remember. His deeds have been carried out in God. What do you make of that? Hmm. I don't know. I don't either. Because it's worded weird. I know. I'm a little. I'm a little nervous to talk about that. That phrase. I want to kind of dig into that so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. 
Well, does, we, true. these are some things that I, I can start with. My deeds are clearly seen, and yet I'm, 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 I'm okay. Well, you might not be okay to the, in the world, so if you do what's true, I'm thinking of like Stephen, okay? Oh, yeah. If you do what's Who true... stoned to death for believing in Christ. You can come to the light, and it will be clearly seen that what he... That his works were carried out in God, mm-hmm. he still might suffer earthly consequences right. from the darkness. Right. Um, but he won't regret it. No. <laughs> and the light and the and the and the deeds of light that he does are sourced in God. God is the one carrying these things out. Yeah. Well, and exactly because he's been born of spirit. Yeah. And the spirit. I mean, it's cool that the word born also means to, like, carry something along. Yeah, uh-huh, like, uh-huh. born by the wind. Yeah. It's really strange right. how, so like... he's born and born. He's born and born by the Spirit. Reborn and, and born by. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. obviously... Carried wasn't, out. Wasn't the Greek or the no, Aramaic no, that this was English in. That's just an play. English word, but still pretty funny. Yeah, he's carried out and God... And so, th- these deeds are not the things he's got to do to get God. Yeah. These deeds are things that are um, clearly seen to be, oh, okay, and and I think there's a connection back to, I wish I could say truly, truly there's a connection back to verse 8. That we can't see the spirit or where he, where, where we can't see the wind where it goes. Neither can we see the spirit. But we can see the effects. We can see it in the deeds carried out in the one who has come to the light of Christ. Now, I just know that to be true of New Testament doctrine. Uh, I wonder if that's what this is saying. It could be. That that what we've got here is an example of this is how you'll see. This is how you'll see that you've entered the kingdom of God. This is how you will see God. So, yeah, it's cool. John chapter three. That's a that's a marvelous chapter. That's a cool chapter. Okay, should we take a break? Yeah, let's do it. Let's take a break. Good stuff. Collect our thoughts. Uh huh. And we'll come back. Get a drink of water. All right. Sounds good. See you in a minute. Right here. So let's just go ahead and unpack. You were just kind of marveling in the. We just we just got soaked in the waterfall of John chapter three. Yeah, my brain is full. Uh huh. I can't like I can't fathom like God's bigness seems like too much for me now because it's just like I can't study anymore because that was just a, that's just a full chapter. Yeah. Full of just rich detailed concepts and spiritual concepts. It's like man, Jesus just had all this in his mind. He probably could have kept <laughs> going forever. Oh no doubt. And uh, it's just like, man, I can, I just like, yeah, we were saying, I just need to digest it because it's just like eating like a big steak dinner. Like you're just full. You just need to let it digest before you could possibly think about eating anything else. No doubt. It's just a big chapter and it's amazing. I hope it was a helpful chapter for our listeners. What were some of the topics that we we covered? Um... (sighs) That that we kind of hope I think really that grab onto. I really liked I really liked how you um, started and revealed a bunch of places in Scripture where the concept of being born again is is 
is explained metaphorically in a different way, but it means the same thing. So we latch on to born again as if this is the only place in the Bible that explains this concept. And this is some true Christian Mm -hmm. doctrine that we have to go to these verses to understand. But like you mentioned in the, as we were talking, Nicodemus Jesus, according to Jesus, should have already known this stuff. Yeah. Like, um, you need a circumcised heart. Or, uh, you know, heart of flesh. Yeah, heart, heart of flesh, of heart of stone. Like, all these yeah. things are, are the same concept. Mm-hmm. Jesus is, is wielding it in a new way. Mm-hmm. And it's probably one of the most powerful ways that we read about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all over scripture. Yeah. So it's not a new concept. Yeah. It's, it, Born again isn't even the only way to talk about it. Yeah. Um, we really are. Right, right. We're being we're being made new by the Spirit. We're being made alive by the Spirit. Yeah. Um, a rock being turned to flesh went from being something that's inanimate, totally dead. Not just dead as if it used to be alive. Like right. It's it's just com- not even. Yeah. It's not even something not that even. can live. Yeah. But to make it alive. Um, you know, it was the same concept of birthing something, you know. I mean, it's it's different, but it's the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a circumcised heart is what God's after. He want, And he will do it to you. Yeah. He'll do it for you. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, it's offered to us to have faith and look in order that we wouldn't die of this, this dark yeah. venom in our veins yeah. that has been there since we came into existence. I hope our, our listeners will grasp the level of assurance that you can have because of that or through as a result of all of that. Like you can have a level of assurance that maybe you never had before, that God loves you, mm-hmm. um, that it wasn't up to how you said it, that you don't have to worry about whether God is electing you or the Spirit is regenerating you or not. You don't have to worry about that. Does regeneration precede belief? You don't have to know that or have um, uh, 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 an opinion on that. Mm-hmm. It, it's really it's, it's the, about coming to Christ. Those other doctrines really are ways for us to marvel at God. Yes, not not to contemplate our responsibility no doubt you know how could we make ourselves elect or how could we birth ourselves in in the spirit we can't do any of those things and so many of our brothers and sisters who who don't believe that regeneration precedes belief are still gonna um, be preaching this same gospel and we love them as our brothers and sisters they're still gonna be saying look you've got to look to jesus that is the critical thing and when you do you can be assured that you are saved yeah. because God loves you. He starts from a foundation. He starts from a footing of love. I also liked how, as we were talking about how we've struggled through our early fundamentalism and asking for salvation mm-hmm. at 15 and 18 and 21, etc. Mm-hmm. I like how you, when at some point in your 20s, finally realized that you had it right when you were four. <laughs> I know. It's just like... Um, no doubt. It's, and and that, is, that is the truth. It's just like you, it you is, have to have... It is for the little children to come into me. And, and, it's, and those little children are us. <laughs> no doubt. If we come as know-it-all theologians... He's not impressed. No, <laughs> especially after reading this, <laughs> we don't know nothing. No, no. <laughs> 
Not uh, impressed. Not impressed. Yeah. Thank, okay. Thank good. you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Jesus Christ. All right. Well. Um, Hey, I think that wraps it up for today. It does. Thanks for joining us. We're going to do a new thing starting Next now. podcast. Right? Well, starting now, we're oh, not. Yeah. We're not going to roll. We're going to roll at the beginning of, of our next, next podcast. The next podcast. We just decided we're going to roll at the beginning of podcasts. Yes. I think it will make it easier. Yeah, so we're going to roll at the beginning next time. This Is is this the last one before we release our whole uh, maybe. first season? Maybe. How many are we up to? We're at at least nine. Is this eight or nine? Yeah, okay. this is definitely at least nine. Okay. Um, we we that we last one was eight. Have we decided if we're going to do a season two or if we're just gonna release them as we go now? I don't know. I think we we might just release them as we go. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that too. Okay. Good deal. All, all right. right. I'm excited, man. John chapter three is something to just feast on all day long. Okay. Good. It's really good. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to Freedom Current. Have a great afternoon. See ya.